0: Player King, episode 10. But this rough magic I hear abjure. Shakespeare Orange County reaches new heights and professional landmarks, finds peace in restoration, and returns to the festival amphitheater in a kind of homecoming. And after 40 years of creating and making theatrical magic, Tom retires.
1: So those middle year, those middle years of the 90s with uh, Jenna Cole joining us, mm-hmm. uh, who had been In the early days of the grove uh you know for for some pretty important shows that i felt really we were doing solid work i met at that point i thought we were doing really really solid work um
2: just as a side point that you kind of gave up acting after that one right i mean you said i'm not going to do it again of course you do do it again later playing bottom but yeah
1: well, I, I I, I,
2: yeah,
1: because when I came back I didn't have enough time. Uh also equity was giving me problems. Uh when I was in when I was in Massachusetts I was they had changed managers at and whoever was handling my account uh was criticizing me. And I, you know, and here I'd had almost a 20-year relationship with them, 25-year relationship with them. I never You know, I never, nobody lost a dollar from me from equity. I mean, actors always got paid, but because some forms got turned in a little late here or there, they, he was criticizing me and I was like, dude, you know, this is ridiculous. Did you have a managing
2: director at Shakespeare Orange County?
1: Well, I, I kind of did for a little bit, but by that time he is, he's, he was gone.
2: So you're managing director as well.
1: Yeah. I was doing both. Again. There's no way to pay anybody. Right. right. So there's you can't You're not have even get paid. Yeah, you, you can't have an overhead that you can't afford. Yeah. So I realized that at the time. And it was more important for me to do the work at this point. Mm-hmm. But when I went to Shakespeare and Company in 98, I was about done. And it put a lot of wind in my sails, changed the way that I taught. What changed? I think it was that freedom that that whole concept of that there's no right way, that there's your way. And the fact is that that you find yourself in these characters. So these words mean something to you personally. That's what I saw in
2: your teaching that change was, was you encouraged the students to sp- use themselves as the primary, the text first always, but then their own life their relationship to the text yes to find the, the objective
1: meaning of it what does it mean and then what does it mean to you and where does it come from within you and how can you play romeo if you don't have a juliet or vice versa or you know if these people are can't be abstractions yeah. they need to be concrete the relationships need to be concrete you need to know who in your life represents that character
2: and the char- the actor Kong concretizes I think I'm making up a word or verb um uh that from their own experience so you're encouraging students to actually recognize they have a point of view and it needs to be taken seriously as they're as they enter into the text
1: yeah and so after coming back from that I mean I brought Dennis back to do weekend intensive Mm -hmm. with the students he did that for 20 years yeah annually till he passed away um which is very impactful on our department. Yeah, I, th- I think so, and on the students. Mm-hmm. And they wrote about it constantly. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: also made them better actors when they would come and work. Because at that time, some students actually started playing s- smaller roles. Sometimes not smaller roles. I mean, you cast a student as Hamlet. Yeah,
1: you yeah. know, um, it's a bold move. My. And my perspective changed on the fact that I wasn't trying to turn out classical actors. What I was trying to do is turn them onto the possibilities Mm -hmm. of what was there within the text for them. And what was there was then in the folio. And so uh, Dennis Krausnick, uh, who was the head of um, training at Shakespeare and company was really into the folio. And this, so this picks up from when I got the folio introduction from Alan and Dennis has got very strong theories about how he thought the actors were writing for actors and not just for a general audience this is how we did it uh and that 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 the folio results from that that's their addition you know uh, the punctuation etc is put in there by the actors in the folio for how they spoke the words uh and and while there are mistakes in the folio and it's not, you know, the King James version of the Bible, although written at the same time, there's so much there for an actor to mine. So many possibilities that you can, that you can find that are not necessarily just academic, that are very personal, that I think uh, I found that to be invigorating. And I use that both in my teaching, and then I started using it in my directing as well. Makes it all contemporary too, because it's our lives that it. Right. So we get into the end of the end of the '90s, though, and I'm still kind of on fumes. And in 2000 by by 2000 2001, David Denman comes in, who's uh, a noted actor, and plays uh, Orlando in As You Like It. And there's a little boost there from that, and from him, and him being involved, with the audience's uh, gets boosted a, a, a bit there. Uh, Carl had gotten in touch with him. He was a Chapman student too. Pardon? Dave Demon went to Chapman. He did. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. I know that he had come to see the Grove. Mm-hmm. Um. So that, well, that's interesting. I did. That's, I learned something today. (laughs) Um, I, I didn't quite know what to do because the parking situation and money and, and I felt like I had kind of done it at this point and I had nothing left to prove and, but it was going to be difficult to sustain things. So I took a break in 2002. We didn't produce a season, if you remember, Mm -hmm. What I did was, is I got some students together and worked on a project that had been in the back of my mind forever of Venus and Adonis. And I, and it had been done by one of the company members at the Grove named Benjamin Stewart. And he did it for the company. Uh, He did a one man version of it and it was breathtaking. And it was enraptured. The company was enraptured by it. I was enraptured by it. it, It just turned me on to it. And I thought almost immediately, what if you had an ensemble of people do this? You know, not a big ensemble, like five or six people. So I took that summer off and worked with five students and we worked out a cutting of doing a stage presentation of the narrative poem. I presented it that fall uh, in the Black Box Theater at Chapman.
2: The season, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, at Chapman. And then the following in 2003. Now, I was ready to shut it down right then. I'd taken some students to a, a theater festival at Humboldt State. And coming back, when I came back that night, Ann said to me, you got a call from Jim Tortolano and he wants you to call him back. Well, Jim Tortolano was the editor of the local hometown paper, the Garden Grove Journal. And I called him up and he said to me, the city is interested in possibly bringing you back to the amphitheater. This is 2002 in the fall. And I went, what? (laughs) Uh, I, I thought that door had been shut. He said no they're interested in talking to you about it. Well, I said okay, let's set up a meeting and we set up a meeting. And like all things, it doesn't go exactly smoothly, but we come to some kind of an agreement where I will go month to month in the amphitheater. I don't want a contract. I don't want to get stuck with them and I don't and I and frankly, if they don't like what I'm doing, I want to walk away from it. I don't want the pressure to have to take it over, what had happened is that the the amphitheater had a a wooden trellis over it that had been eaten away and not been taken care of properly, and eventually it fell and became a hazard. So they had to find money, and they found two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to put a superstructure and lighting grid above the amphitheater stage. And while they didn't change the lights and stuff, they also redid the, uh, booth and the tower, which was also had been made out of these glue lamp beams and had not been taken care of. So they found $250,000 in state park bonds and it was set to open in 2004. And they wanted to know if I would handle it. Now, these two guys who had picked up, had let this place go, had let the amphitheater Literally, there was two feet of trash and debris surrounding the backstage of the theater. All of the lights had been left out into the rain and it had been hollowed out. There were dead animals in this debris. So just negligence. Just negligence. Well, anyway, in 2003... I then decided to do a season and again in repertory of Venus and Adonis. And I wanted to do Othello cause we had never done Othello and I asked you to play Iago. Um, and so we came back and with the idea that this is our final season in the Waltmar, we are going to move to the festival amphitheater in garden Grove in 2004 and I was very excited about that. Everything that I had been kind of dragging behind me and worried about, all of a sudden, I was—you know—for me, it was like uh, MacArthur returning to the Philippines after being kicked out. I was able to go back and do, and and come back in with my head held high and reclaim this theater that I had helped create. For me, it was like Lear, a new <laughs> ending
2: to King Lear. How did Chapman react to this? Uh,
1: I think at the time, you know, Chapman was now had gotten had had grown considerably. Um, m- we were no longer, you know, initially. I think we were uh, we were viewed at, as being one of the things that could possibly help bring, if nothing else, publicity to the university. But at that point there was so much going on that I don't think it I it was a blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. And I told everybody involved I was so excited about it that we were going to make the move. And so we did Othello and we did The Venus and Adonis and we did it with guest artist contracts at that point. Less Don McKay uh, Don McKay came in who had been a uh a Grove actor came in and did um porsche's boyfriend yep <laughs> <laughs> and and uh and i got uh uh our, we got our othello who was uh, working at cal arts and you played uh iago uh katie Keane was uh desdemona and liz Terry was uh amelia yeah amelia and um and it was a strong production and it, it you know, it was a tough production, but it was a strong production. Those are the rival Othello's. Do you remember there was another Othello? Yeah, happening? the Othello with Grove. Yeah. Oh, right. They did it in the gem oh, theater.
2: Oh, right. So, oy, oy, so, oy.
1: So there was all kinds of irony going on there. Yeah. And we were going to get the amphitheater and move next door to them because they were still in the gem. But they had been living with dogs over there and, you know. They had to rip, the city had to rip out carpets and, uh, the people who had worked, who were city staff thought theater people were lower than dogs. They, they, they treated, they, I got no respect when I came back in from them. However, going back into the, into the amphitheater on spring break, I asked any students who wanted to help me. i I'd, I'd pay them with pizza, which I did. And for a week, we cleaned up that back area and had filled two huge trash containers with debris. Uh, and we got to a point where the old backstage or the old stage that had been put on top of the concrete stage uh, had was so infested uh, and and there was a lot of it there. i said i I said, I'm not capable of cleaning this up, so there's nothing I can do about that." Uh, I told the city that, but I cleaned everything out so that we could use effectively the backstage area. And then uh, we didn't, the city had still given the the um, annex, which was used for dressing rooms, to the boys who were operating the gym. So we didn't have the annex yet, but eventually we got that as well. But that first season coming back in, uh, we did Much Ado About Nothing. And we did the Scottish tragedy, the Much Ado About Nothing was wonderful. It opened up. We got great publicity, you know. And people came back. I was going to say, who had been at the Grove, yeah, out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, of know? course. And so, did the papers s- play that our, up that our, you were coming home? Not as much because there, you know so so much time had passed yeah. that the people who who had written in, during all of that stuff during that time were no longer there. Yeah. And the newspaper business was starting to change Be, just beginning to shift, yes, yeah, it was shifting, but you know people came back who were uh who had been trustees and volunteers, the guy who uh had worked for the city, who had helped me in creating the amphitheater, he came back one night and and saw the show, and all of that stuff was was so wonderful it was. I was back at the theater I loved which was the amphitheater and it's back like a, back yeah. outdoors and it was reopening a playing space that had been dormant now for about 6 years dormant and destroyed and destroyed yeah
2: but to be clear the remnants of the old regime for lack of a better word are still in the gro- in the in the gem right so you're literally next door to right the past way of working and you are back home waking up the amphitheater, bringing it back to life, right? Um, was that awkward? Yeah, oh, yeah. they was sharing again, a parking they,
1: lot. We shared a parking lot. They were, they were not very happy with the situation. I don't think they, I, I don't think they wanted to give up the amphitheater, but I don't think they had the resources to be able yeah. to handle it. They were doing community theater, and the city they? at that point was fed up with them. Uh, they weren't going to kick them out and go through the same kind of thing they did with us. But we came back in and opened that space, and it it, it resulted in uh, two awards. It resulted in the Arts Orange County giving us uh, Arts Organization of the Year to Shakespeare Orange County to Shakespeare Orange County as Arts Organization of the Year, and we received a twenty thousand dollar award from the Disney Corporation. For community service. And that, because I had budgeted not with that, I put that $20,000 in the bank as a buffer zone, and that became my overdraft account. And when I finally turned the theater over, which we'll get to in a bit, I gave him a check for $16,000. Because by law, uh, once you dissolve a nonprofit corporation, which I did, Uh, when I decided to retire, once you dissolve it, you, you have to give the assets of the corporation to other nonprofits. And that's what we did. Mm. Um, but here we are in the amphitheater with a brand new. 2003. Well, 2004 with a brand new lighting grid, brand new lighting instruments, because everything had been rotted out Mm -hmm. a brand new board and a brand new, uh, booth, uh, control booth. And Light Tower, it was wonderful, and and so we started out with that space. But I went back to the Walt I was, you know, asked the department if I could do the Christmas show because it was a little cold outside and in the yeah. amphitheater, and you never knew if it was going to rain. Uh, so that was that was a great healing for me. It was great to get back there, and it was great to work on that stage again. And again, because I was managing everything, the shows were directed by other people. And then the next year in 95, I did my Midsummer Night's Dream, where you played Bottom. Mm-hmm. So you spend
2: the latter part of that decade, SOC is in Garden Grove, and the, and- You never really do go back and work in the gym again.
1: Well, in 2006, okay, we've gotten the awards. We've gotten the acclamation. The city finally, these guys leave the gym. Basically, the roof is leaking in the theater. And the theater had not been taken care of very well. So there's maintenance issues. The city starts talking about turning it into a parking lot. I basically say to my contact at the city, let me do child's Christmas in Wales in there, a Christmas show. And I'll show you that we'll fill it because when the guys left, they said, well, we can't draw audience here. Nobody will come downtown, which wasn't true. So I filled the theater for three weeks and it was raining in the theater. Uh, that was a problem. And so the city went out on a request for proposal for theater companies, uh, to apply for it. I wasn't going to apply for it at that point, being a full-time professor doing the summer theater was my plate was full taking over the gym. Again, I, th- I thought was going to be difficult for me to do. And I, I, I didn't want to get back into that. However, I did get back into the gem again to do that one show. Elisa ended up stage managing it for me. I mean, it was on a shoestring budget. Um, I only could get three. I got three guest artist contracts for Gary Marnie and Danny,
2: who all were in the original production, right? Using and, years and I think
1: Danny's in his forties now, fifties, mm-hmm. early fifties, <laughs> playing this young boy. But I proved that it was doable, and they went out for a request for proposal, and um, a guy who had done some productions in there uh, had a company called One More Production, and uh, he basically said to the theater that he would raise the money to fix the roof, and that got him the contract. And he did, and uh, they've been operating ever since, doing musical theater successfully. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an operating theater. So for stupid. a while, then there
2: was a Shakespeare company in the amphitheater and a musical theater community theater group, right in the gym. Yeah, with a good relationship with each other.
1: Yeah, good enough. Yeah, we bumped into each other every now and then. But
2: uh. when did um, one of the joys for me was having little kids running around, um, little Braddock kids running around. Um, when did Lisa start working? In the shows, well, she had to go
1: to college, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and she was originally an English major. And then she called me up one time and she said, "Dad, mm-hmm. changing my major to theater." And I said, "Okay." And and uh, I went up and Scenes are her. powerful. <laughs> I went up and saw her perform and saw her do really some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in '95 when I put her on stage in that uh midsummer night's dream Mm -hmm. as part of the the mechanicals Mm -hmm. and uh yeah she was terrific and then
2: dennis krosnick comes into the picture later on
1: yeah well as we get back into the picture yeah i mean he he was doing Lear, and so um he was investigating it, right? He was. No, he was. He he had actually. It. He was starting to do it. Uh, he was investigating it, and uh, so in 2010, I invited him to come and do King Lear at the at the Festival Amphitheater. The only issue with that was was that he could he had to do his summer at Shakespeare and Company in Massachusetts, and so he couldn't get there until September. So we had to push our season back into the fall. Now I was hoping that we would get, uh, some schools from that. And we did somewhat, I mean, we, we got, it was an unusual situation for us because we usually worked in, uh, June, July, and August. And now we were in July and September basically. And he did King Lear. Um, I directed it. Strong company. The no. most equity contracts I worked with, I think we had nine and mm. 10 with a stage manager. And Lisa played the fool. And Lisa played the fool. Wonderfully. Yeah. So when
2: when did you retire? I can't, I can't remember.
1: 2013.
2: Um, I, I. And when was Dennis's Lear?
1: 2010.
2: Okay. So you've got a couple more years where you're
1: producing. Yeah. I, I mean- Again, we get into that middle section in 2006, we're doing Measure for Measure, uh, which was a really wonderful production that Carl directed uh, with Bo Foxworth playing um, the leading role uh, with Katie Keene uh, uh, as the nun. And again, Bo was in, came at the end of Macbeth and played Macduff, and then I got him to do one of the comedy roles in um, *Midsummer*, *Midsummer Night's Dream*, and then he did. Uh, you know, his dad was very well known, uh, Robert Foxworth, as an actor, and and Boa Dun Yale and New York, and very respected actor. He did a Hamlet for you too. Well, that's uh, that's how we got him back for 2006.
2: Hamlet said, in his face.
1: Uh i I dangled Hamlet in his face and he couldn't refuse. And he came back and did Hamlet. Yeah.
2: And and uh That wasn't when I couldn't stop doing Polonius, which I think <laughs> I am Polonius. So <laughs> and he dies halfway through. It's a good yeah, gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really yeah. good gig. You got some stuff backstage. Yeah, right? yeah. eBay. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: so we did we 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 were doing good work. Um I think we were doing serious work. You directed a, uh Romeo and Juliet. With at, Amanda, a tall with, Juliet. Yeah. Yes. During that time period. And, um, and we worked really hard, really soulfully. I think that company. Right. And, and so, uh, based, I had gone up for full professorship. I'd gotten mm-hmm. tenure. I'd, I was going up for full professorship. We had a new Dean, the new, everybody said I could have full professorship except the Dean. He turned me down. So I had to do something that wasn't on my resume. And one of the things that wasn't on my resume was international. Um, so through Shakespeare, through the Shakespeare Theater Association, I had come in contact with a gentleman named uh, Guy Roberts, who ran the Prague Shakespeare Company. And I asked him I had, that I had an idea about taking this Venus and Adonis and perhaps taking it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And would he be interested if we came over there and did it in Prague? And he said, yes. Well, I looked at the Fringe Festival and everything I was going to have to do for that, and I wasn't going to have time to really put that together. Um, So along with the help of uh, one of my friends from the Shakespeare Theater Association, Jim Bowles, who's also a professor at Cal State Fullerton and his wife, um, Evelyn Carroll Case, who was in many of our productions at uh, Shakespeare and Company. They helped communicate with Guy, and we ended up uh, doing, in 2012, a production of Venus and Adonis at the Prague Fringe Festival. Evelyn playing Venus. Right. Uh, Co-sponsored by the Prague Shakespeare Company. And... um, and then that year, we had also done A Much Ado About Nothing in the amphitheater and was asked to go perform it at the La Mirada Playhouse. And that was in 2012. And so here I was taking a show. Also to, with Evelyn. Yeah. I played Benedict. She played Beatrice. You, yeah. And we ended up, I ended up taking a show to another venue. I ended up taking a show to. Europe and I thought what else can I do? And the realities were that it was it was still I mean while we still had a little we had a money cushion and, and everything was moving along in the black and doing well at the amphitheater. I'm 65 years old at that point. And I'm going how how much longer am I going to do this? And it is a young man's game. Still working for free for the most part, yeah. I mean again, I paid myself. Yeah for directing here and there. And I basically said, uh, I think that's it. I think, I think I'm done. And I think Elisa called me and said, dad, you can't stop right now. You, you've got to do another year to at least let people know. And I went, okay. So 2013 became my final year and I decided to direct two productions that I had not been happy with, which was the Macbeth from the first season and a Twelfth Night that we had done where I didn't think the Viola understood what she was saying. The comedy characters were terrific. You were in that. John Jones was in that. Sean Naughton was in that. I mean, the comedy characters were terrific, but but the viola was not and so i wasn't happy with that and it was one of the one of those instances where because you're working so fast and you've got short rehearsal periods mm-hmm. by the time we understood that she didn't know what she was saying mm-hmm. it was to, basically there was nobody to replace her mm-hmm. um so i did the i did that uh i did those two shows and they both turned out to be critically and and because the papers announced that this was my final year, we had a real boost in attendance mm. and the center section of that amphitheater was pretty full. Mm. And uh, and that was my my kind of swan song to saying, you know, I've done it now.
0: A Player King is produced by Roland By. Sound design, editing, and engineering by William Georges. Directed, curated, and narrated by Elisa Braddock. The music was originally created for productions at Shakespeare Orange County. Thanks from Tom during the Shakespeare Orange County Festival Amphitheater years. City of Garden Grove, Cal Reitzel, Jane Oglesby, David Schaefer, Kim Waltz, Bob Crossley, Elisa Braddock, Anne Barillay, Bill and Jennifer Georges, Caitlin Braddock, Michael Fountain, Katie Wilson, Amanda Czar, Donna Brecker, Strawberry Festival Association, Jim and Marilyn Tortolano, and the Garden Grove Journal. Before we conclude this podcast, I ask a bit of indulgence. On July 30th, 2023, two days after recording this conversation with Tom and Michael, we had a birthday party for Tom in the backyard at his house. Friends and family, former students and colleagues with relationships that date back to the early 70s were in attendance, and Bill and I recorded some of the party guests, with their permission, about their experiences working with Tom. What follows is a short montage with excerpts from those interviews. Thank you to Gino, David, Mike, Jeremy, Stephanie, Eve, Sherry, Bill and Jennifer, Gary and Marnie, Carl, Nick, John, and Amanda— for their enthusiastic participation. So many people mentioned that they earned their Actors' Equity cards working on shows that Tom produced and or directed, that so many acting careers in Southern California were launched because of his dedication to paying actors, designers, and technicians just by creating professional opportunities in Southern California. And every one of them said, Thank you, Tom.
1: We st- I started doing a play. He was directing a play at Orange Coast College, so I, I did get a little bit of experience with his process at that time. But I also had never seen him as a serious actor. And during that period of time, he did Lear for Orange Coast College. And honestly, I was I was just completely, completely dumbfounded at, at what he did with that. I'd never seen the play. I mean, I'm not... It, it wasn't really... Shakespeare was not really in my wheelhouse at the time, so I didn't know really what to expect. But, but Tom was tremendous, you know, just enthralling in that part.
2: It harkens back to that familial feel of being one big family. And he supported me through some really tough times in my life, um, gave me work when he really didn't have to. Um, He was a really, really good, giving friend.
3: I knew that I was in a safe place with Tom always. Um, 9-11 happens. You're a freshman in college. Everything seems different. You go to acting Shakespeare class, and Tom was vulnerable. He was honest. He was sad. He was angry. And it was okay. He made it be okay to feel all the really big things, especially at a time when you as a new adult are trying to figure out what life really is. Tom just gave us the, the, the therapy, the willingness, the, um, the trust that it was okay and that it was okay to break. and It was okay to be everything. Tom gave that to me, period.
1: Uh, Being a part of SOC meant just so much to me because it it opened me up um, to having actually a theater community. That's what it felt like. You know, we rehearse all day and into the night. You know, we have lunch together. We have dinner together. We sing together afterwards. (laughs) Um, And just working with professionals was... A profound influence and I got to see what what it is to be professional in a theater and how much dedication to the craft um, uh, means and, um, and just working with with Tom was you know incredible. SOC was starting a new company I always remember looking at that picture of this they took a picture of us the first day of all the people on the steps we were starting a new professional company, and uh, that doesn't happen all the time. And uh, I I thought that was kind of, uh, that was special. And I do have to say that having played Sir Toby, one of my favorite roles with Tom, twice, I thought that was wonderful. That was a great gift of him to me, and uh, I couldn't be more happier. It's a great role. I loved playing it. Well, other plays I enjoyed doing at the gym at the Grove were uh, what the Butler saw: "A Man for All Seasons," uh, Twelfth Night," a uh, um, um, uh, The Hot El Baltimore.":
2: Oh my goodness, yes, that was one of the
1: "The Shadow box. the first
2: things. And
0: because people like Tom see
3: it in you, and if somebody else sees it, I can do that. So it meant that, but it was always family. A director that you want to keep coming back to and you want to keep exploring with and you want to, and you hope the phone rings again. That's how I feel about Tom as a director and working with him.
0: It's there. It's there for the rest of my life and the rest of my artistic practice. Um, That experience of working with him, the example that he set, the trust that he put in me, being the guy who messed up and did an English accent, um, but
3: still giving me a chance. We did Othello at the Waltmar for SOC, and I brought in a lot of that gear and a rock and roll light board. Uh, And we also used uh, that rig for Venus and Adonis. And I, I, I have to say, it's probably, I can't say this for a fact, but probably the first, if not one of the first uh, Shakespeare productions to use uh, moving lights basically just the fact that it was an amazing um, community of actors and technicians and designers, and that everyone just worked so well together it was it was a family there, and Tom led that family and he created that um, that environment for all of us working with Tom Braddock is a really unique experience, but I didn't know it at the time. I was so spoiled having him as a college professor and as a professional director at Shakespeare Orange County because he is so loyal, he is so kind. There's no bullshit, no politics. He wants to do the work and he wants to do it well and he wants to do it for the right reasons. What would you like to say about working with Tom?
1: Um, anytime, anywhere, whenever, uh, if, if he, if he sends out the call, it, it'll
0: always, I'll always answer it. Um, he's such a
1: wonderful, um, artistic human being beyond just being a wonderful person. Gino Gaudio. David Palmer.
3: Stephanie Saban.
1: Jeremy Shag. Carl Ruggiardo. John Jones, Nicholas Therkettle,
3: Marnie Crosson,
1: Gary Bell,
3: Eve Himmelhaber, Sherry Brown, Bill Georges, Jennifer Georges, Amanda Zarr, Michael Fountain.